Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. favorite listeners pastor jonathan mason here with you in the pastor's office you're two weeks into the new year i know a lot of you made resolutions i don't personally believe in resolutions but i know a lot of you made resolutions i already see the gym traffic decreasing Uh, I already see all the people that were in the uh, Whole Foods aisles. I don't see them there anymore. I see them at Wendy's again. Uh, uh, How are you doing with your New Year's resolutions? Uh, Are you sticking to them? Uh, Are you you excited? Now, listen, let me say this to you because I say it all the time to my congregation. Don't waste time in 2023 because before you know it, we'll be at watch night again. So I want you to make the most of this year. Strive for your goals. Take some chances. Start some new initiatives. Man, when they call me uh, and, 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 and tell me that there's a new opportunity, I'm ready to explore. I'm ready for new challenges in 2023. So I want to encourage you, be motivated, be excited, but most of all, be thankful that God has given you an opportunity to still be a part of his creation, to still receive his grace, to still receive his mercies. Don't take it for granted. Hey, listen, we've got a great show for you today. You know, one of the prevailing themes that we have made a part of our show is the discussion of violent crime in the city of Philadelphia. We've interviewed just about every candidate that's running for mayor of Philadelphia. And in each of those conversations, we have spent an inordinate amount of time discussing violent crime, gun violence in the city of Philadelphia. It is a plague that is gripping our inner cities. And we've got to get a handle on it. But as we look for solutions, one of the things that we cannot forget, one of the things that we can never forget, are the lives that gun violence has impacted. The families of those that have been injured. The families of those, sadly, that have lost their lives. Watch this. The families of those who were the perpetrators of the crime. Gun violence cast a large shadow over so many. 
We want to talk about that again today. This is not a topic that we should ever forget to discuss. There's a new docu-series out. It's called Weight of Death. It's, it's a documentary I need you to see. I need you to experience it. It came out in December. It's been released on YouTube. Each episode is less than an hour of your time. But it's time well spent. Today, we're privileged to have on air with us the executive producer of Weight of Death, I want to welcome into the pastor's office, Mr. Anton Moore. Anton, come on into the pastor's office. Take a seat. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me in, Pastor. you mind if I take a seat? Take a seat, sir. Let's talk, man. We got to talk. Can I get a water? <laughs> hey, listen, the listeners know this is virtual, so... so. I just try to fool. I just try to fool them every Sunday. So, so yeah, yeah, that's why. That's why I said let me play along. You go in the pastor's office. You know he about to lay something on you. That's right. Information. So I need a seat and I need some water. I always like to talk to men and women who grew up in the church and know the significance of the pastor's office. Yeah, theater of the mind. That's right. That's right. Listen, man. First of all, thank you for doing this work. Thank you for producing this documentary. Talk to us about what gave you the inspiration to step into this world. What gave me the inspiration to step into this world is um, this room. Is I do a lot of activism work. Remember last time I was on your show, they interviewed me about taking kids to Dorney Park. That's right. Um, you know, to get them out of the neighborhood, stopping the violence. Well, I worked in TV for X amount of years, and doing activism, working in TV, and then working around gun violence, I wanted to bring all this to light, and I said to myself one day with my team, um, Matt and Jamie, that we wanted to produce this documentary and bring a visual to this, this issue. Excellent, excellent. And, and again, I want to remind our listeners that we have spoken to Anton before about a lot of the work that he does in the city of Philadelphia uh, for our young people. Uh, and, man, we just admire you for your continuing efforts. But you're not in the movie producing business. You're, that, that's not your line of work. Uh, so how did, you, how did you pull the pieces together to bring this uh, docuseries to fruition? Well, I'm not in the movie producer business, but I did work at BET Music Channel for eight years in New York City. So I was around, like, helping producing shows and documentaries and different things like that. So I was very familiar with the TV room, and I also worked in radio as well. So being able to do this, I know the production side of producing television. Understood, understood. Uh, and as a activist in the city of Philadelphia, you're living and experiencing uh, this issue of gun violence on a consistent basis like we all are. Uh, talk to us about your experience of uh, getting this production started uh, and, and, and talk to us about, you know, how talking to some of these families uh, that have been impacted by gun violence, how it impacted you and this work? Man, you know, being involved in this is a heavy lift. That's why I named it the weight of death, because it's the weight uh, of death that's on you when you're dealing with this issue. You know what I mean? When a parent has to bury a child, I mean, in the weight of death, a three-year-old young lady was murdered um, because two guys were beefing. So 
being able to, you know, recant the story and tell it, it was tough for the families. But they work with us, even talking to the funeral directors. You get a lot of times you don't hear from the funeral directors, but by this being a three year old young girl that was shot and killed, the story was tough because just imagine you having a child and have to bury them over senseless gun violence. Man, it, it takes a lot out of you. Listen, I have two sons, uh, one 16 and one 12. And, and honestly, Anton, I just couldn't imagine. Uh, I just couldn't mm. imagine. And every day, every day that I take them to school, uh, we pray. Uh, and mm-hmm. one of the prayer, one, uh, one part of the prayer that is consistent, no matter which one of the three of us is praying, is Lord, let us reconnect on the other side of this day. Uh, and yeah. keep us safe from harm. So for a parent to send their child to school, uh, for a parent to tell their child they can go out to the playground uh, uh, to play with their friends, the thought is never that they're not coming back. Mm. Mm. So, so, so I want to, I want, I want to talk about that because you know you talk about three-year-old Tanira Borum, uh, who was who is the subject of the second episode uh, of Weight of Death. Uh, you just spoke about it briefly, but but talk about what happened to her and 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 talk about the conversations you had relative to her death. She was sitting on a step getting her hair braided, a warm summer night in South Philadelphia, 2014. Two guys see one another, they beef with one another, and they start shooting. In the middle of them shooting, they shoot little Tanera three times in the chest, killing her instantly. The, 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 the paramedics transferred her to the hospital, and the mother came around the corner because she was sitting there with the person that was watching her doing her hair. The mother came around the corner and said, we need you to get the children's hospital right now. They got the children's hospital, and that's when they pronounced little Tanera dead. Wow. So sad. And you spoke to her mother? Yeah, uh, her mother's spoke, on it and her father. Yeah, so you and spoke. The, God, I'm sorry. The mother, the father, the funeral director, um, the mayor at the time, Mayor Nutter, Charles Ramsey, all of them were like tied to that story by the hip. Wow. Yeah. So, so talk to us a little bit about basically. I guess. I mean, you've had a chance to talk to former police commissioners, uh, other agents of the law. I mean, what do you glean from those to- those conversations about how how they're handling this, how they plan to handle this, what solutions they have? I mean, talk to us a little bit about that. Um, that's the fundamental investing in our young talking to them, investing in our young people. Uh, parenting, parenting is key. You know what I mean? When you're raised when you're, in this world that we're living in, you have to raise your children. And you'll hear that theme that you'll hear from the mayor, another, and different parents that you, that, different people that you hear throughout the documentary. We have to be parents to our children. A lot of times people get away from that. But one of the things you start to see, a lot of these young kids are running rampant. Now, you went into the hip hop community. Uh, why did you feel that that was a relevant area to go? Um, the reason why that's important, because talking to Black Thought, you know, he's a hip-hop artist and Meek Mill, hip-hop artist, um, they give you a perspective because a lot of times when you see hip-hop music now, you hear a lot of killing and different things like that, but it hasn't always been that way. So when you spotlight that and say, look, you know, Meek Mill lost his father to gun violence. Look, Black Thought from the roots lost his father to gun violence. You put that all together and say, look, no one is exempt from this issue. Right, right, right. Now, you also had an opportunity to talk to some inmates. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. I talked to the young brother 
and his father wasn't in his life, he ended up reconnecting with his father in jail. Wow. 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 And he's in jail as a result of gun violence? His father was in there as a result of gun violence, and he was too. Wow. This this is just a troubling situation that's gripping a lot of our inner cities, and 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 the reason I bring that up when I say a lot, not just Philadelphia. Your goal is to take this and and do documentaries in other cities. Talk to us a little bit about the go forward plan. Yes, our, our goal is to go to other cities and talk about this because it's a problem all over. It's not just Philadelphia; it's Chicago, it's Atlanta. But we have to explain what gun violence is doing to urban cities throughout America. I mean, when, when you hear about the mass shootings and people do that, they get so much attention. But you don't; they don't talk about the mass shootings that take place in our communities every day. And we want a spot like that. And it's from here, from Philadelphia to Atlanta to Chicago, Detroit. California, L.A., all over those areas, those stories need to be told. That's right. That's right. So how are you funding the production of this, uh, these docu-series? Uh, have you, do you have sponsors, or is it something that listeners we go can out. help with? To be honest with you, uh, some of it came out of our pockets. We go out and fundraise. Private donors have helped out. The city kicked in, gave us 15000 to help out with this. But it's a lot of production that goes into this. Because if you look at it, we're using high-quality cameras and different things like that to, 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 to film this stuff. So hopefully, we want, you know, we want this to get picked up. We want people to see that gun violence is, is a major issue, you know, not just in Philadelphia, all over. So we go and just fundraise, Ref. So... You're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 FM, and we're talking to Anton Moore, who is the executive producer of a new docu-series that captures the gun violence issue that's gripping the city of Philadelphia. I want all of you to go to YouTube and check it out, and he's going to give you information uh, here very quickly. But please, please, please check this documentary out. Uh, It's something we all need to see. They've done an excellent job uh, in capturing this moment in our lifetime, in our history as a people in the city of Philadelphia. Anton, listen, talk to our listeners about, one, how they can support you going forward and expanding this project, and then give them some clear indication of where they can find the docu-series. They can find a docu-series on YouTube. Uh, go on YouTube and type in The Way to Death, and both episodes will come up. Also, they can um, log onto our website, unityinthecommunity215.com, and they can actually make a donation there. Excellent, excellent. I want to again thank you for all that you do to make the lives of our young people in the city of Philadelphia and generally citizens of Philadelphia make their lives better. You're going to be blessed, man, because you're giving back in such a a major way. Uh, We thank you. We're going to support Weight of Death, Weight of Death docuseries on YouTube. I want all of us to go and look at it right now. Well, after the show is over. Uh, But, man, thank you for all the work you continue to do. And if we can be a blessing to you in any way, you know where to find us. Thank you, Pastor. We appreciate it. And we'll be right back after these messages. Philly's favorite listeners, Pastor Jonathan Mason with you again this Sunday. Always a pleasure uh, to talk to our Philly's favor listeners. You do know we are the only black-owned gospel radio station in Philadelphia. Uh, And we are on our way to celebrating three years of existence. 
Uh, I want you to stay tuned uh, because we are going to have a wonderful celebration uh, this spring. And I thank you so much for your support. One of the things that we've always liked to do on our show uh, is introduce you to your representatives, to the elected leaders that have been charged with uh, the responsibility of making life better for Philadelphians. And over this last few months, with all of the resignations in city council and in city government, for those that have decided to pursue the open seat of mayor for Philadelphia, we've had the opportunity to interview some of those new council members that have come in to office. And today is no different. We want to introduce you to one of our new representatives in city government. So I want to introduce you today to Councilwoman Ketsy M. Lazada, uh, who is representing the 7th Council District uh, right here in our beloved city. Uh, so without further ado, we want to invite her to come on into Pastor's office. Uh, Councilwoman Lazada, welcome to the Pastor's office for the very first time. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor, for having me. I'm very excited uh, to be here with you today and to be able to share uh, my story and and what my goals are uh, for the Seventh Council District and for the city of Philadelphia as well. Well, here's the thing. You know, we are in your district. Uh, the station is located in Frankfurt. Uh, on the second floor of the Northeast Baptist Church uh, at Folk Road and Takawana Street. Uh, and we've had a wonderful relationship with uh, Maria Quinones-Sanchez. As a matter of fact, uh, we interviewed her uh, about two months ago. Uh, that would have been our second visit into the pastor's office. Uh, but she's been here at the church several times. And I know you've served as chief of staff for her uh, for a long time. So what I want to do is really introduce our listeners, our, phil- our citywide listeners, uh, to you today. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about your background and your Philadelphia roots. My roots are from right here. I was born and raised in Philadelphia. Uh, most of my childhood was spent in the Hunting Park community. Uh, and so I have very, very strong ties uh, to Hunting Park, but I'm raising my family right now in the Northwood section uh, of the city, right, very close to Frankfurt. And so I consider you all and myself a part of the Frankfurt community as well. And so, uh, as you mentioned, I, I served as Councilwoman Sanchez's chief of staff uh, for about 10, uh, 11 years. When I, when I was her chief of staff, uh, prior to going to, to become her chief of staff, I had never worked for city government. And so her bringing me on as her chief of staff uh, was a learning experience, was an introduction to me too, to city government. Uh, and she was, she was and still serves as a mentor for me um, as I navigate uh, as the elected uh, in council right now. And so I'm grateful for, for her leadership and, and for all that she poured into me uh, during my time in her office. I am a mom to, to two amazing children my my youngest is now 17, but he will always be mom's baby. Um, 
but but I've been very fortunate to be able to raise my children right here in the Seventh Council Matic District, and and uh, I'm grateful for all of the support uh, that that the residents um, and the the leaders in government have given to me, and, and how they've been very supportive since I've been elected. Now, you are also the vice president of the Community Organizing and Engagement at Esperanza. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Yes. After leaving Councilwoman Sanchez's office, uh, I became the vice president of community engagement and organizing uh, for Esperanza, who is also located in the Hunting Park community. And I was tasked with the goal of, of ensuring that community residents understood the importance of civic engagement, of, of being um, a voice for their neighbors. Not everyone is outgoing. Not everyone is able um, to, to go out and, and attend community meetings. And so my division's responsibility was to make sure that we met community residents where they were. Uh, and oftentimes that was at their door. Um, and not, we didn't just show up and and put a booth up at the corner of 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 different blocks. We were actually knocking on doors, talking to residents, connecting them with resources, connecting them with services, um, and ensuring that they understood um, what was happening in the neighborhood. Uh, and and civic engagement and participation in uh, in elections was part of that work. Uh, making sure they understood what electeds were responsible for what types of services and making sure that they understood the process of holding their elected officials uh, accountable. So you went from Councilwoman Sanchez's office to working as vice president of Esperanza, uh, obviously enjoying that work. I can hear the passion with, with, with which you speak about it. Uh, what caused you to want to jump into the arena uh, of elected office? That, 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 that's, that's a whole different pool of water. Well, you know, uh, what people don't know about Councilwoman Sanchez is that the 2023 plan for her has always been in place. Uh, she, she was elected into office in 2008. I became the person to run her office from her, the very first day. Uh, and, but she has always had a plan of being the person to lead this city. Uh, so there was a 2023 plan. We knew what her, uh, what the plan was and each one of us played a role in that plan. What we weren't sure about up until recently was who would be the person who would step into that position. And I want to say about two years ago, maybe, Councilwoman Sanchez sat down with me um, and, a, and a team of us, and we decided that I would be that person. And so uh, I was raised in a home where my parents always said, uh, we don't want to hear what your complaints are. We don't want to hear what is wrong or what is not what is not right around you. You need to come to us and tell us what those challenges are you're experiencing, but also tell us uh, how you are going to work to fix it or what we can do to fix it. And so being a part of the solution is is, um, is something that my parents raised me to always be ready uh, to speak about. And, uh, and, and that has been who I have always been. Uh, and, and I, speaking to residents in the Hunting Park community and through my work in the, in the councilwoman's office, you know, really has taught me that residents oftentimes don't feel that they have a voice. 
oftentimes don't know what the resources are, are out there. And, and so I've always wanted to be a part of the solution. I wanted to make sure that residents knew that there, that there were things that could change the challenges that they were experiencing. And I wanted to be a part of that. And so two years ago, Councilwoman said, we need to start preparing you. And so I've, I've been on a journey with a whole lot of prayer, a whole lot of support, uh, preparing me for where I am today. I didn't expect it to be as as quickly as it came, right? I, I prepared for 2023. And so in my mind and in my family's mind, I was ready to run for office now in May of 2023. But, you know, I think God had other plans for me and he set up an opportunity for me to to be able to run in the special election. And I say that it was all God because there was no plan for me to run uh, in the November special election. Um, things in, in government happened very quickly. Things in the, the political process happened very quickly. And so uh, me being a, a candidate um, and, and a candidate that was supported by the party and by others was not something that we planned for. It's just something that happened. And I, I, uh, I followed what I was tasked to do. And, and I was lucky. I was lucky that, um, and blessed that community residents, uh, and, and the party and other leaders around me stepped in and, uh, and provided the necessary support for me to be able to have been successfully elected, uh, in November. You're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 FM, and we are talking to the new councilwoman uh, for the 7th Council District here in Philadelphia, Ketsy M. Lazada. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your plans for office. You got through the special election. You were victorious. Uh, you are now in office. Talk to us yeah. about some of your plans. So I have been in office now. Uh, I'm in week number seven. Um, and, uh, you know, it's no, there, it's no secret that the seventh council district has a lot of challenges. Councilwoman Sanchez did a whole lot, um, during her time here. Uh, but there's still a lot of work to do. Um, my priorities, if, if I could share them with you, are ensuring that our children, uh, in our schools here in the seventh council district have all of the necessary resources for them to be, um, successful academically, uh, that our school structures are up to date and that they are safe for our children to come to every day and to learn. Uh, and the teachers that they are met by every day have the necessary resources to provide a successful academic journey uh, to our kids. And so I, I, I am a part of uh, the education committee uh, as, as a, a standing committee. Uh, in city council, and that will give me the opportunity to express my concerns and the concerns that are shared with me every day uh, by our, our families as well as by students uh, who I've had the opportunity to talk to. And then affordable housing, making sure that our kids uh, and our families have an opportunity to uh, live in our community and that they're not displaced by development or because they can't afford to live in the in, in in the neighborhoods that they have known all of their lives. And so working with individuals who make the decisions around what type of uh, development is going to happen in our community and in the district is important to me. Um, I like to call it mission-driven development, and, and that just means that 
everyone who comes to me with a development project is connected or has a relationship or built a relationship with uh, community organizations uh, who understand the community's culture, the identity, uh, and the history of communities, um, and and that we could hold accountable in the future um, as it relates to projects and 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 making sure that they're affordable uh, for our community and for our families. And public safety, uh, the city is experiencing a um, crime across the board. Uh, but my priority is to make sure that when we walk our streets, um, that our streets are well lit and that police are responding to the needs of community residents. Uh, I know we're coming off of a time when police, where, where community residents were calling for defunding the police uh, or for police reforms, um, but, but they were not calling for police not to do their jobs. Uh, and so making sure that I continue to forge conversations between the community and the police so that there is an understanding that they do want police to be present uh, and to be engaged and for enforcement to happen, but that it happened in the correct way. Uh, and so those are, those are three of my top priorities, and I'm hoping that being on the Education Committee, being on the Public Safety Committee, and the public property committee that I, I will be able to make an impact and represent community residents um, and their needs. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I can tell you that you are taking office, and you already know this, you said it, uh, at a very precarious time for our city. Uh, and, and one of my major focuses here in ministry and also over the airwaves is the future of our young people. And when you speak about schools uh, as one of your top priorities, as a matter of fact, that's the first thing you spoke about that resonates with me because I can tell you that this this pandemic really highlighted for us uh, the inequities in many of the communities around Philadelphia. And we've just got to give it, make it an even playing field for all of our children, whether they're in the inner city or whether they're in the suburbs. Because I truly believe, Councilwoman, that until all children have a seat at the table of success, none of us are successful. Uh, so I really want to encourage you to really focus on our young people uh, because, uh, because they really they need us right now. They absolutely do, Pastor, and I, I, I take that very seriously. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm raising a son, uh, and, and I want for everyone's children in my community uh, the same thing and the same opportunities uh, that I want for my son. Um, they are tomorrow's future, and we as, as leaders in the community have to ensure that Everything we can possibly do as leaders in the community um, is geared towards ensuring that they are successful in the future. Uh, I have said many times, I never want to uh, be in the community 20 years from now um, and have a young person come to me and say that they were not successful in their lives because I had the opportunity to make changes in their lives when they were younger and I did not do that. Um, that keeps me up at night. I want to make sure that I provide every possible opportunity and that I advocate for them every day um, the way that I do for my son. 
Well, God has given you an opportunity to serve. He has Amen. placed you uh, in an elevated position to make a difference in the lives of the people. Uh, so we wish you all of God's best. We'll be praying for you. And as I say to all of our elected leaders that come on this show, uh, if we can ever use these airwaves to help your mission, feel free to give us a call. But God bless you, and we look forward to talking again to you real, real soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, th- and that is very important to me. I, I come from a foundation of faith, so I'm going to ask you to please, in your daily prayers, make sure that you remember me. You are on our list. Thank you so much, <laughs> Councilwoman Lazada. And we'll be right back after these commercial messages. Hey, Philly's favorite listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. And I certainly want to thank Councilwoman Ketsi Lazada for joining us in our first segment. But now I want to invite somebody into the pastor's office that serves as the chief operating officer of Philly Pops. Now, listen, listen, let me share something with you. You all know I went to elementary school uh, at Willow Hill uh, in Roslyn, Pennsylvania. And when I was a child, one of the things that we looked forward to was getting on the yellow bus with all of our friends and taking field trips. One of the field trips that we took when I was a young man, a young lad, was to Center City to go to the Philly Pops during Christmas. It was, and I still remember to this day, It was an amazing experience. It was an awesome experience. Here's the great part. The the, the greatest part was we weren't in class, right? We we weren't listening to our teacher. But for us to be able to dress up and and go down there, uh, yes, uh, and I tell my sons this all the time, we used to dress up when we went to school and left the school. Uh, They are in sweats and pajamas now i don't get it but but that's another topic for another day we'll talk about that on the show another day i promise but 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 i want to talk today about the philly pops because it was a part of my childhood uh and so let me welcome in karen corbin chief operating officer ma'am i'm sorry for that big diatribe but come on in the pastor's office and have a seat how are you I am well, and how are you today? You know what? I've got nothing to complain about. Uh, We're still here, and we're still standing. So to me, that's 95% of the battle. But I'm glad to have you. Uh, Thank you for giving us a bit of your time. You had a great Christmas season this year. Tell us about it. We did. Um, Our Christmas show, as much as you remember it, perhaps uh, 300 people on stage, three choirs, our volunteer festival chorus, the Philadelphia Boys Choir, and uh, the really popular African Episcopal Church of St. Thomas Gospel Choir. Uh, We had Mandy Gonzalez um, and Jordan Donica in Big Broadway Stars, and of course the 65 members of the Philly Pops on stage. We do 10 shows. Uh, Nine of them were for sale to the public. And one of them is a benefit concert provided for the service community. Most of them were sold out. That first one for the service community is filled with police and fire department personnel, as well as military and veteran community members. So it was a lot of joy and a lot of excitement. 
and about 22,000 people in total enjoyed our Christmas shows. So it was 22,000 people in total in person, but but you also broadcast overseas to over half a million troops. Tell us how that all works. So we had been doing the Salute series, which is that first Christmas show, the benefit concert. We do a free concert for Memorial Day, usually at the Man. And we do a series of activities during Independence Week, including Pops on Independence, on Independence Mall, and whatever Welcome America needs us to do on the Parkway, that big concert, depending on the artist. So at a certain point, it seemed to us that it would be great for the intended audience. These, these concerts are intended to honor the service community, whether it's local police and fire or whether it's troops around the world or veterans. So we made an arrangement with the American Forces Network, which is a service that supplies programming to the troops overseas. So that the really amazing part of it is the show generally airs on Christmas Eve at 7 p.m. for the Christmas show, and that runs in 24 different time zones around the world at 7 p.m. on Christmas Eve. And we, we hope that the troops, our intended audience, have, have a little bit of I'll be home for Christmas feel by, by viewing the show. Wow, that's beautiful. Now, 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 Philly Pops has been around for 43 years. Peter Nero uh, uh, was the uh, founder. And, and again, as I said, it was a part of my childhood. We, we got on the yellow bus and we went down to, to, to see the Philly Pops. But I did read an article earlier this uh, or, or late last year that Philly Pops was considering winding down. But as a result, I guess, of the Christmas season and, and the spike in, in interest, has that plan been put on the back burner now? I mean, talk to us about where Philly Pop stands right now. So we, like many other performing arts organizations, had a really tough time during the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic. Ticket sales were non-existent for a year and a half, and then folks were slow to come back to the Kimmel. And in the, in the September series, uh, we had a rock show. The attendance was half of what it needed to be. And I think in those moments, we thought that a wind down might be the right path. Then the ticket sales rebounded greatly for Christmas. And indeed, the Christmas program reached as many people as it might have in 2018 or 19 or 2020 before the pandemic. So we were encouraged by that, but even more so, we were encouraged by our patrons and a public uh, promise of support for us if we did try to go forward. So with that piece of good news and with the support we were feeling, we announced a Save the Pops campaign last week that has been so far quite positive for us, and I believe we see a path forward, and I hope to be able to talk in more detail about that in the next month. Well, talk to us a little bit now about what Save the Pops is and how our listeners, uh, who do have an affinity for events here in Philadelphia, how can they support you? So I think the best thing for folks to do is to go onto our website, phillypops.org, O-R-G, 
and there's a Save the Pops homepage there. There are two ways. Um, come out and see a show, so just buy tickets, and we have a number of shows scheduled for the spring that I think are exciting and folks will find um, something that they like. We play a variety of music. The second way to help is to donate. We've had a very good response from the public. People have donated from sort of $25 on up to 25000 So um, I would say that, that no amount is too small and any donation is much appreciated. And I think that we'll be able to fill the gap that we're seeing on that ticket sales side with contributions for a short period of time. And then by then, we'll be back to full capacity. So go to phillypops.org, and then there's a page for Save the Pops, which, by the way, uh, when I leave here today, I'm going to go check that out uh, and make sure that we get it posted on our social media platforms. Now, talk to us a little bit before we let you go about some of the exciting events uh, that the Pops have coming up over the next few months. So there are a number of exciting Pops in Schools events. Um, I think a lesser-known set of activities that we have involved the Philadelphia School District So every spring, we have um, a really great festival for the All-City Jazz Program in eight or ten Philadelphia School District high schools uh, with our Director of Artistic for Jazz, Cheryl Stafford. So we have that coming up. We have some mini festivals at our schools, most of which are in, as it happens, North Philadelphia near to Temple University. Um, And then from a show standpoint, we have a couple of rock shows coming up, but right in February, February 17th through 19th, we have an Encyclopedia of Soul show called Get Up, Stand Up. Rising talent Joshua Henry, who is a Broadway guy, came out of the Hamilton group and just appeared in Into the Woods on Broadway and was just in uh, Disney movie Beauty and the Beast. He is really talented, a great dancer, and he will be interpreting rhythm and blues music for our audience there in February. Then we have a singer-songwriter show, a pop rock show, Paul Simon, James Taylor, and Billy Joel music in March, and a Star Wars show in June, a pop rock Hollywood soundtrack show in May. So there's something literally for everyone if you go on the website and find the kind of music that is your preference. Well, we are excited about the fact that there is a campaign underway to save what I believe to be a staple of Philadelphia life, and that is the Philly Pops. So I want all of our listeners to go to phillypops.org and go to Save the Pops. Make a donation or buy tickets. Uh, You've just heard all of the great events that are coming uh, over the next several months. Let's be active in helping to save (laughs) one of the great, great entertainment vehicles here in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, Listen, Karen Corbin, I want to thank you uh, for joining us in the pastor's office today. Uh, We want to wish you all the best as you continue to lead the day-to-day of the Philly Pops. And you know what? I got to bring my boys to the Philly Pops so they can experience (laughs) the way I did uh, when I was a young man. So you have my commitment that we'll be getting some tickets and we'll be seeing the Pops real soon. So here is our sign-off at all times. We will see you at the Pops. 
Outstanding. Karen Corbin, thank you so much for joining us. Time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you're while listening to Phyllis Faber. Yeah. Take a minute, turn the radio yeah. up. And take a seat in the pastor's office. Right. Right. The frequency, yeah. tune in. Get up, word. Reverend Jonathan Mason. Oh, yes, you should. Take a minute, turn the radio up. And take a seat. Son.